Welcome back to another live episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Guide live B2B jam session. Man, do I have an episode for you all today? I am, man, I first of all, I'm incredibly excited because the man that I'm going to be speaking with today that's going to be our lovely guest, this guy is one of the leading thought leaders, figures, authorities in the future of work space. In fact, so much that he leads the Office of the Future of Work at Kelly, and he's a vice president and managing director of the Office of the Future of Work. And we're going to dive deep on a lot of different things, whether it be COVID-19, what we're all experiencing as business leaders during this time, but also this new opportunity that organizations have to treat their employees similar to the same way that they treat their customers. You know, I'm excited to really have John Healy on because this man has been in the industry for quite some time and he's actually seeing the changes that we're seeing right now in the future of work. And more importantly, what we've seen in the last three months, four months, five months, and how organizations have to completely shift to this now online dimension and how they do work. If you know John, Please show us some love in the comments. If you are familiar with his work, show some love in the comments. If you're as excited as I am with this episode, show your love in the comments. And if you're tuning in from Oakland, let us know how you're doing. Happy Monday. I'm, I'm sorry, not Monday morning, Wednesday morning. I'm still on Monday while we're still here in Wednesday. Happy Wednesday morning in Oakland. Happy Wednesday morning if you're on the East Coast, which is probably actually Wednesday afternoon now. Happy Wednesday if you're in Central Standard Time in Houston, Texas. And if you're joining us watching internationally, you're probably a day ahead or a day behind us. Much love to you and welcome to the show. With that said, let me bring on John to the show. John, Mr. Healy, what's up, man? Oh, man, I'm excited. You, you <laughs> these, these great intros and, and we're all sitting here talking to Mr. Future Work. So uh, <laughs> I, I am in that group that is excited for this conversation. I think you could do some amazing things, bring some great stories out into the marketplace. And and hopefully I, I can, uh, can can hold my own and, uh, and, and give some good insights, get some conversation going yeah. with all the great people to follow you. John, thank you so much for, for joining us. I mean, it's really an honor to have you here and having you make time to, to speak with. I want you to share a little bit more about kind of how are you doing, right? You know, we're still all kind of going through this COVID-19 thing. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the media with the election cycle, but to a degree, everyone's still kind of facing COVID-19. So how have you been holding up these last few months, given what's going on with the world? Yeah, there's a there's a group I join a call on weekly and uh, we, we start out every call, we kind of break out into some small rooms and, and we just have a personal conversation of whether it's a red, yellow or green day. You know, red days are just craps hit the fan and we're, we're, yeah. we're just dealing with what we're dealing with or something personal is going on. The the green days, everything's just clicking on good cylinders. And, you know, the, the jam is happening in, in yellow is that somewhere in between. And I would tell you, today is just a, a solid green day for me. Uh, there's some good things that have been happening. Um, inside our organization, we've got some exciting things that are happening, uh, finished up some great conversations with people, some new collaboration opportunities are coming up. And then most of all, I get to spend the next half hour talking to Mr. Future of Work. <laughs> John, no, we're honored, man. Thank you so much. You know, and, and today for me as well, it's a green day, man. And I love that. I actually need to start using this Green Day, Red Day. That's actually a great way to kind of give a, give a pulse check on how you're doing. But, you know, I want, I want us to kind of dive deep on, you know, our type of conversation today, because you've been doing a lot of work in terms of speaking about the age of human agility. And I want you to talk a little bit about what that research is at Kelly, um, that you're working on at Kelly. But also, I want you to share a little bit about how you got started in the tech industry. You know, you've been at Kelly for quite some, some time, over 20 plus years now, and you've really seen 
the new wave of how we're working now and how we were working 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yep. So, um, all right, you got two things there. So I'll hit the human agility piece first. So are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we got these basic needs that, that everyone has. And, and what we would say when we started looking at the workforce and the things people are needing. So this came about because Kelly was saying too many people focus on the way people connect with work exclusively from a demand driven side. Company has an opening, therefore people will be interested. Mm. And we said, you know what? The market's kind of shifted a little bit. And we got to, we got to flip that upside down a little bit and look at this from the talent's perspective. And as we did that, we started looking and saying, okay, people have some basic needs. So many people come to the temporary staffing industry because there's basic needs. Even think of the, the 50 million people who have lost their job during COVID. Mm. I need a paycheck. I need to put food on the table. They're not worried about their dream job at this point. They're talking about basic sustainability, core needs of what they're trying to get. But when we looked at the profile of people that we had and we studied this and, and did a series of focus groups, we started to really recognize was this idea of momentum seekers and mm. people who are saying, I want to get something better. And as we talked to them about what they wanted as better, it really came out to this piece of I want to do what I want, where I want, when I want, how I want, and the engagement model I want. That's what we're all striving for. I mean, look what you're doing. Pretty cool. You're feeling pretty good about it. Your enthusiasm and passion wouldn't show the way that it does if you didn't like what you're doing. That's what we all strive for. So that's what we describe as human agility is having that freedom. But there's this positive and negative momentum that happens throughout our lives for mm. things that could be personal, they could be professional, they could be organizational, anything along the way. And so we just started really studying and understanding what causes that momentum and what causes people to do different things. Because what, what we're finding is so much of the this job search process and the industries that are built around it mm. are focused on a match. You know, do your buzzwords fit my buzzwords? <laughs> it's true. And that's not what people want. Mm. What a fit. It, you know, it may be that I have an elderly parent I need to take care of. And if that was the case, I need to get up to New England fast. Okay. I'm going to be more flexible in terms of the type of work I'm doing because that's what I need right now. So the fit is, is not about what my technical capability to do a job is. is it's about does it fit me right now? So in this age of human agility, we, we're thinking that you really have to start adapting, looking at fit and understanding what is going to drive that positive and negative momentum for people in their career journeys. And it's a completely different way to think about a career, too. Got to flip it upside down. And, and now look at the barriers that have been removed. You know, it's uh, Lee Jin at Andreessen Horowitz, her, her whole piece is about the passion economy. Mm. I mean, the, the barriers to start up a business and run something and get it going right now that is about what you really care about, mm. they've never been lower. The tech has enabled so much that allows us to do things. It's just, to me, it's a super cool time to be in the market. Yeah, there's some stress, but th th there's also just some real opportunity that we're all living through. Yeah. If only most CEOs had your, your, your enthusiasm for this opportunity, you know, I want to ask you, John, you know, why do you think organizations have been unable to adapt, whether it be their internal workforce, some organizations have been unable to adapt, whether their internal workforce to like embracing this as a new opportunity and didn't really have like the infrastructure set up to, to survive and thrive during this time. 
Yeah. Um, status quo is easier than change, right? People like to kind of fall back into that comfortable chair versus break yeah. the new one. But then necessity is the mother of all invention. So if we take those two, just look at what we've experienced. Yeah, I'm not sure that remote work is going to be the right thing for our organization. Now, my finance team, they definitely can't work remote. They all got to be right here. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> to crunch the numbers. <laughs> yeah, they got to be there. I got to see them doing that. Whoops. <laughs> I can't have anyone here. Oh, look at that. Everyone suddenly got it done. Now, I, I will say I, I was the first um, and, and shout out to Daryl Staskowski, our CIO. Uh, I got to give him a, a high five and a shout out of what he did. You know, I, I was one of those people saying, hey, we need more front office apps, things that can be out in the marketplace, the cool things that are out there. Daryl made sure our infrastructure was really, really sound. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, things happen and, and we're all operating virtually without any hesitation as a company. And that's been a true competitive differentiator for Kelly as we're going into this. So I think there's a hard part for a lot of organizations. When do I focus on these cool things that are out in front of people? And when do I focus on the infrastructure things that I need? And for larger organizations, that infrastructure becomes really, really important, especially publicly traded organizations or if you're dealing with people's personal information. Privacy is a big thing. You don't want to be on the front page of the newspaper for the wrong reason. Um, we've seen what's happened to a lot of companies that have gone down that path. So I, th- I think you've got organizations trying to balance, where do I need to make sure my foundation is really solid? Mm. Where do I need to, to start investing into some of these sexy things that are out there that, that can get excitement, but maybe not necessarily results on the back end? And, and I think that's the balance that people are really struggling to find right now. Hmm. You know, for it's interesting because even for us as a business, we literally pivoted our business due to COVID-19. And, you know, thankfully, we're still very small and nimble. But, you know, for us, pivoting and and, and just changing was literally uh, an hour decision. And you can only imagine what that looks like within a large enterprise context where you have so many people and you're managing their personal data. If they're your employees, you're trying to think about what are the transition plans. You know, one of the things that you have been really passionate about speaking about and speaking on lately is this focus that organizations need to start treating their employees similar to the way they treat their customers. So what's inspiring that? Why why are you why do you think that we're now in this transformation point of Organizations have to start thinking more critically about the employee experience. Yeah, so so you you get me on an exciting point. So like, if you need me to slow down, or if those of you in the in the chat room need me to slow down, speak up here. <laughs> uh, what got me really fired up, Tim, is, as we started looking at things in here, was the the way we were acting as consumers, the way I was acting as consumers. I, I have twenty eight nieces and nephews. I have like this private focus group. In, in my family um, that are all in that millennial generation. And I love getting them together and kind of having a chance to talk. And, and what we started seeing is, you know, on this device, I don't care whether you're Android or Apple, but we're all throwing apps out left and right. We're cleaning them off. This doesn't work. I get rid of it. I throw it out, move on to the next thing. Our shopping experience, I had a bad experience on Etsy. I'm off that. I'm not coming back there. You know, had a bad experience on Amazon. I'm off there. I'm moving to something else. Someone's product's on sale. I can get a little bit more convenient for me and how I want to do it. So as consumers, we don't tolerate a bad experience. Mm. 
We just flat out have let go of it and said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not putting up with that. And that is not a generational issue. That is now how we live. And this has been going on for at least, uh, you know, 18 to 24 months, I would say that we've seen this trend really pushing forward. So then the question came of, okay, well, if I'm unwilling to tolerate a bad experience in my life and my work and life have blended, Am I having bad experiences at work and how long will I tolerate those? Yeah. So, so that's what triggered it. And so we, we engaged a company called Stylus. Um, they're an organization out of New York and London. They do the consumer research. So they can tell us what kind of color T-shirt you're going to be wearing next year, what wow. color you're going to paint your walls, all those kind of things. They dig into the consumer behavior side of things. And so we asked them to take this idea of consumer behavior and how it's going to impact work. And tell us, what are those things that we really need to look at? And they came with eight trends for us that are there. And anyone wants to reach out at any point, I am happy to go into all of them in detail. But let me give you a couple that are really standing out. And they've stood out in COVID as much as anything. Mm. So one of them, um, they refer to as the multiple me. So it's all about we can be different people from moment to moment and how companies need to start understanding that. Well, you know, how many calls have you been on when, you know, the, the kid or the dog comes shooting in the room yeah. okay, and suddenly I'm a mom or I'm a dad or I got to get a meal or, you know, the delivery guys at the door. We've all been through that. That's part of our reality. Mm. But do companies understand that people are living all those multiple identities as they're coming in? It's it's one of the gals in our, our social media team. I, every time we get on a call and she's got her baby strapped in front of her and she's moving yeah. along and she's talking, she's taking us through things. I'm just, I'm in awe of the capability of someone juggling all that. Okay. So we, we know that we all bring multiple identities to work hmm. every day along the way. And we've got to start understanding that. Now I'm going to shift to another one we call algorithm led discovery. So if all of us on the phone right now, went out to Netflix or Hulu or pick your streaming. I'm I'm not advocating one versus another, but go out to your streaming um, channel of choice and pick a show. And what you'll find is each of us are actually going to see something different. Mm. So both went out and saw Narcos or, or Stranger Things or, or Fargo or whatever it is, you and I will get a different graphic of that show. It's going to be the exact same show that we rep that we watch but how it's represented to us is going to be different. You're a black man. I'm a white man. Yeah. You're younger than I am. You're West Coast. I'm East Coast. we got some different things that we do and see. And so they personalize it. So they make me look at it and say, wow, I'm going to be psyched for that show because it fits in for me. You're going to do the same thing. Now let's look at our company intranets. Does your CFO, hmm. your frontline production worker, and your head of marketing and your sales team all see the exact same information? Yeah, <laughs> for most organizations, yeah. <laughs> so, so why can't hmm. I point those same resources, the tools and technologies most companies have already invested into, particularly large enterprises, they've done it because they know their consumer. Hmm. They know if, if we were talking with an auto company right now, they know more about when you and I are going to buy our next vehicle than either of us do. They have studied us so in-depthly. If you're talking to drug companies, there's reasons why their commercials are at very specific times and in specific mediums to capture us. 
So if companies have spent all this money to know their consumer, hmm. why can't they point those exact same assets at their workforce, both their current workforce and the future workforce? We know things are changing and actually start embedding those relationships, capture the stories from their people. So there's all kinds of things that come in here. There's one about seeking experiences, how we've migrated away from, you know, just doing things that everyone wants it to be an experience, whether it's a destination wedding that we wanted to go to in the past, can't go to those right now, or um, if it's, uh, you know, a, a cooking class as opposed to just buying a cookbook. I want to experience that. How are you making those experiences in a workplace that we're expecting? Mm. starting to see that you're seeing things like uh, cheerleader brands like we, we've, we've labeled it as embedded assistance but who are those companies who are helping you figure things out you know as, as you are starting to juggle all those multiple me's simultaneously what's the automated assistant you're using to help you figure out how to get the packages dropped at the door without the doorbell ringing when you're in the middle of a call because you know what you can do it so we're getting into these connected cities and all this stuff. So it was really just a piece of, of pausing and looking at the market from a different side, recognizing that companies are pouring huge assets into knowing their consumer that could easily be redirected and pointed at their workforce and getting to know that population, engaging them and empowering their passions in the same way that they do their consumers that, in my opinion, can really unlock some hidden value in the economy and, and just some real passion. Yeah. You know, it's so powerful, too, because you're touching on a lot of few things. One, the shift to an experienced economy, but also the fact that there's so much leverage in knowing your people, understanding the talent, because if you understand your talent, we'll be able to more effectively understand your your consumers, your customers, yeah. right? And there's like this huge mega opportunity so many traditional organizations are missing out on. And that's why many of them are actually going bankrupt because the, the wisdom is within your, your workforce in, in helping you adapt and helping you remain agile if you're serving them. But a lot of um, companies fail to realize that. I want to ask you, John, with a lot of the work that you all have been doing, Kelly, what have been some of the unique things that y'all are doing within your culture? And even for you, because, you know, I, I, I've i been told by a, a lot of our peers that, you know, you've completely, your your entire organization is completely freelance and contractual. And you guys have, have done a lot of things to leverage this on-demand um, ecosystem that we're living in. Um, so what are some of the things that Kelly is doing to uniquely position its talent to, to to embrace those experiences, but also grow as you all grow as a, as a company. Yeah, we, we, we have gone through some pretty radical transformation in the last year, and, and it's pretty fun. Yeah, you know, as you said, I'm 27 years inside the organization, um, feel uh, blessed to have what I think is the coolest job in our industry. Um, but we, in October of last year, announced a new CEO. Uh, so Peter Quigley stepped in as the CEO of the organization. Uh, when we had our, our year-end earnings report in February, um, Peter announced to, to you know the internal organization as well as the public that we'd be restructuring effective July 1st of wow. 20. Um, so uh, you know in February we made that announcement. We met the timeline of July 1st. In between there, there's been this kind of funky little thing called you know, <laughs> pandemic COVID <laughs> uh, that that certainly changed things out, but it it allowed us to redirect the organization in, in a couple primary ways. One, um, to really put the focus on being a specialty talent company. Mm. 
um, to really understand, make sure we understand the talent side of things and, and, and balance that with our understanding of our client side. And then second, deployment of, of an operating model inside the organization that has us operating in a far more consistent manner, cohesive manner as an organization. So that the goals and the objectives from one group are consistent with the goals and the objectives are at least reported consistently with the goals and objectives of another area. But that that gets into issues around culture. So if you're, you're deploying all of that change, think of uh, bringing a senior leadership team together and wanting them to all be on the same page because Peter's not going to dictate something from on high and everyone's just going to get in line. This is about an inclusive culture. It's very much a family type business that we've had uh, for 70 plus years. And so bringing that group together, oh yeah, that COVID thing. Okay, so we can't physically get together. How do we bring people together? So using some of the collaboration tools that are out there. Um, I'm a big fan of Mural um, and, and getting people to just kind of jump in and, and do that design thinking workshop, um, operating our way through that. That's been, in my opinion, extremely empowering, uh, creating change networks throughout our organization so that the message can cascade uh, all the way through the organization and they're not linked to hierarchy, um, that they're really organized around networks. Mm. So kind of breaking some of those molds, uh, I think we're, we're starting to really look now at some of the barriers that we think have been out there that are that are impeding people from connecting with work um, in healthy ways, whether that's things around living wage or it's things around the way we do background checks uh, for people who come in and whether or not certain things are relevant to include in a background screen. Um, we, we think that there's some real opportunity. So you know, I, I would say the, the biggest shift we're experiencing, Tim, is that we've got an organization that's all pointing in a common direction at this point and that feels fully empowered to move forward, that understands the culture, that has a common vision for, for who we are and what we do. And, and as our noble purpose states, we all come to work every day to connect people with work in ways that enrich their lives. And, and that's our job every day. Love it. Love it, man. It's so powerful, man. You know, one, John, this has been a super inspiring conversation, and I'm sure our community is feeling the same way. And we have a few questions from our community for you. Cool. As well. Let's go. Much love to Mrs. Hart, who's saying, where should the next generation be directing their interest for the future of work? So she's talking about the youth, the people who are looking to get into Kelly services maybe someday. Where should they yeah. be going in, in terms of their interest? Uh, yeah. I to me, it starts with our education and our belief in lifelong learning. Three, mm. not even necessarily the certificate we're getting, but the passion to learn continuously. And I think that's one thing that excites me about this generation that's entering into the workforce. The way that they've learned to collaborate and work in cohorts and do things in different ways is an exciting piece. But to maintain that passion and to experiment and test different things is what I would be looking at more than anything. Um, technology is is clearly one of those things. Everyone's going to tell you, okay, we need tech, 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 tech. But what I would also keep an eye towards, this comes back to some research we did with McKinsey as we were kind of preparing for, you know, uh, the, the the sky is falling. We had our chicken little mo moment that, uh, you know, <laughs> sky falling, our industry is being disrupted. How are we going to be Uberized? All of that. And one of the things that came out is the importance of the social and emotional roles. Mm. Think about what positions are going to get automated, which positions are going to be eliminated, 
um, because of automation or replaced or, or, or severely adjusted. It's the social and emotional skills that come into play that technology is going to have the hardest time dealing with. Mm. So that is the arts or it's teaching or it's the healthcare field and patient relations. If it's customer service, there are some functions that we can get into that really change. And if you're going into the tech route, are you going in to do the, the rote learning or are you going in to establish capabilities around critical thinking mm. and really understanding maybe that human-centric design? So I, I have family members that are, that are you know, I referenced my little focus group there. Um, I'm encouraging them all to take a class in human-centric design. Yeah. Breaking down that hierarchical thinking of how we build things, but really focus on who we're servicing as a community. Um, so those are a few areas that I go to, but... Betty, if I missed you on that and didn't get the right answer, definitely come back to us and, and we'll try and address. Yeah, uh, Betty's a prolific advocate for the future of work. In fact, she all of the things that you mentioned, it's something that she's actually currently working with her students on around social emotional learning. But even more importantly, thinking about, um, you know, how are you thinking of things from a human centric design lens? And the design thinking lens. So she is. So it's. I think a lot of what you just said resonates with her, um, being that she's really one of the most active people practitioners doing that within our community. So definitely mm -hmm. thumbs up on that. In fact, she's saying, "Ditto, thank you for that." This is the resounding theme that she is getting. So definitely make sure to connect with John Betty. Love that. Thank you so much, Miriam, who is joining us from Muskets, Muskets Oma, I believe. Thank you so much, Miriam. We truly appreciate you. Uh, Betty's also recommending that, you know, we check out Trend Hunter, Trend Hunter, which is another amazing group who looks for opportunities in the chaos that we're all going through right now. And she's also mentioning that we should check out Cognizant's Future of Work Research, which came out a few months ago, I believe. Thank you so much, Betty, for sharing those recommendations with us. In addition, Nadu Abdu is saying employee satisfaction matters as well. You know, John, you know, with that said, are there any certain metrics that organizations and leaders should be looking for, whether it be post surveys or employee satisfaction metrics to, to, to measure how they're evolving over time? Yeah. Whether it's employee satisfaction or engagement, uh, we're an engagement company, so we focus on engagement work through that. But I think you have to um, dig a little bit deeper right now than just engagement. You have to get to the why. Uh, people are engaged or not. We have we have taken this world of work that people lived in, put it in a ball and shook it up pretty hard and changed what's there. So, you know, I, I think we have to be really careful assuming that we understand why mm -hmm. someone is feeling engaged or not at a given point in time. They may have been impacted by a family member's health or social injustice that's impacted the way that 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 uh, you know, a cohort member or a family member has, has been altered by. They may have just had just that red day when mm. they were going out to school. <laughs> it, was just, it was bad. Or it may have been a green day, and maybe we're just over-assuming everyone's happy in what's going on. So I, I really believe that this whole aspect of, of organizations being very clear on what their purpose is, mm. what they're going to do, why they're going to do it. That, that that is number one priority, understanding that that's going to be revealed through the authenticity of that purpose. And then the personalization of understanding how does that fit to people? And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of surveys. 
Yeah. Um, and so sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just hit the nasty button on the survey just because I want to get a reaction out of someone. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, we can't lose sight of a conversation mm. and talking to people and encourage. That's what we've gone into with this network economy. Is, you know, when are you reaching out across the aisle, uh, across three layers of reporting structures and just talking to someone about what they're doing, what they're going through? And are we making that part of our daily dialogue? Uh, I, I would argue that is as important right now as anything else. Man, John, thank you so much. I want to show love to Camilla who's saying thanks for this conversation. Great to see you again today. Thank you, Camilla. Great to see you as well. We have a LinkedIn user who's saying, John, customer service and automation. How can staff companies stop sending these mass emails with job descriptions that are not related? Help him or her. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I got one uh, offering me a great job that was a perfect fit, uh, and it was a forklift driver. Uh, so so I, I, um, I, to, to LinkedIn user, I, I'm with you. We've got to get through it. Here's what I think is dangerous for companies. We're in this point in time where everyone likes um, to use algorithms and they think their algorithms are perfect right on, but they're not well-trained. Mm -hmm. Algorithms are only as effective as the data that processes through them. And if an organization's early in their use of algorithms, it's going to send things off to the wrong spot. So, so the way companies can address that, and, and, and I'm by no means saying that our organization is perfect. But organizations need to be willing to um, kind of pause and look at what they're deploying technology for and what that experience is on the other end. Um, you know, it's when we bring in a technology partner and and want them to work within our process. Um, I'll typically ask them to go through like if they were someone that was going to help streamline something in our application process or do two-way texting. I ask them to enroll mm. as an employee first because I want them to see what that experience is. And, and when they get that something that goes, huh, you know, it, it will cause a little bit of pause. But I think often we're in this rush to just deploy technology and we don't think about the implications enough. Mm. And that's It's why, um, you know, I, I referenced, you know, changes in Kelly. We just last week announced a new chief talent officer, Jocelyn Lincoln, who is exclusively focused on that external talent that we bring into the organization. And, I think that that's a really important part of trying to improve the quality of that experience and make sure that that it's balanced with the customers who give us access to those opportunities. Yeah. So the LinkedIn user is rolling on the floor laughing. He agrees. <laughs> <laughs> he agrees with you. So you wouldn't want to see me on a forklift. I could tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Bad, bad, bad stories. <laughs> We're also getting Crystal saying, I hate surveys. I have a survey hangover. Preach, Crystal. We are feeling you. You know what, John? Thank you so much, man. It's truly been an honor having you on our show. You know, what's your one powerful takeaway for our guy community on one, how they can embrace the agility of the future that we're all building? And, you know, how can they learn more about following your movement as well as the movement you're leading with Kelly? Um, I think it's, it's, um, to embrace, well, what is it? That if, if you're going to get a, you got a military person, let's get a Navy SEAL on here. And they're going to tell you to embrace the suck. Yeah. Um, I, I think we can steal a little bit from that right now. And that, yeah, we're going through some tough stuff right now as a society, as a community. There's a lot of things that we can find the downside on right now, uh, but embrace the change we're living in. Mm. 
we're going to look back in 10 years. Mm. People are going to be studying history. Think of how much we spent time studying 1968, whether that was going to the moon or it was the Olympics or the racial unrest that was taking place or the police violence that was going on. We are living the same type of experience right now. And that's amazing. And for us to be living that with all of the technology innovation that's going on, I, I go back, I think it was um, Steve Rader on your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90% of, this, of the scientists that are alive or, or 90% of the scientists that have ever existed on earth are alive mm. today. Okay. Pause for that for a second. Yeah. How much has changed? And that's from only 10% of the scientists. We've got some really cool stuff ahead, but it's going to require people being willing to deal with change, to embrace something being different. Hopefully, we all change in the morning. We change in the evening a little bit. We get a little older. Um, so don't be afraid of it. Embrace what's going on. Try some things. And then make sure you advocate both for yourself mm. and for your organization and the things that are around you. Um, because... Um, there's going to be some ups and downs that we're going to live with, but in the end, we're moving to a better place, and and that's all we can ask for. Mm, that's powerful, man. No, it, it, you're you're one of the leaders that you know and that that I talk to, and you know we we hear from, and I think it's just this optimistic view that you have and the work that you're doing. It's truly inspiring, man. So thank you so much for the the work that you continue doing, leading your movement, and one educating and empowering people to embrace this future and also be adaptive in it. So thank you, man. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for what you do, bringing this group together. Thanks for everyone who logs in and 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 is open, keeping their mind open along the way. So, oh, Betty, I love it. <laughs> cool there. Yeah. <laughs> Great conversation. Hashtag future of work. And please, if you love this conversation with John Healy and me, please, please, please share with your network. Don't be afraid to tag John in a post. Tell us what you learned. Tag us. Let us know. We'll engage. We'll comment. We'll share with our networks. We'll increase the visibility of your post. And more importantly, we'll join you in the movement that you're leading. Thank you so much for joining us. John, we must have you on the show in the future. What do you think, my friend? Anytime. You, you, you put me on the schedule. I'll be back anytime, Tim. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate you, brother. Cheers. Cheers. Man, oh, man. That was a powerful episode. And more importantly, please, please, please follow John Healy, man. I freaking love that guy. Uh, and I think everything that he's saying is textbook what we're experiencing right now. And once again, he is the vice president and managing director of the Office of the Future of Work for Kelly. Please check out Kelly Services. They're staffing and recruiting, a global staffing and recruiting form. And more importantly, he consults with clients and market leaders interested in involving their workforce strategies and embracing the opportunities that are coming within the future of work. It's truly been an honor having him on the show. And please, 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 if you're thinking about following his research and learning more about his work that he's doing with Kelly, please check out his LinkedIn profile. He's an avid prolific sharer on LinkedIn. He's always creating content. And more importantly, think about if you want to join and support him in the movement that he's leading with Kelly, or if you're interested in learning more about how Kelly can work with your organization and helping you helping them rethink your talent strategy or how you all are finding new talent. With that said, thank you for joining us on another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work Guide Live B2B Jam session. 
our beta has been going incredible. If you're interested in being on our waitlist, check out guideapp.co. We would love to have you on our waitlist and more importantly, expand the beta to you as we expand. And more importantly, if you're excited about the movement we're leading, let us know. We also we always love messages of inspiration and love. It keeps us going. As connected we are with our community, we always love hearing from you all. And more importantly, if you want to be a part of our beta, please, 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 please check out guyapp.co. Early access, we recently just actually had a part of someone from, what, Wheaton and Kennedy, I think? One of the top advertising firms in the world, a $2 billion enterprise, join our beta. So we're really excited to onboard a lot of our enterprise partners and customers who are really excited about the movement that we are leading. With that said, thank you, Camilla. Thank you, Tolu. Thank you, Alfred. Thank you, Betty. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Mr. Boucher. Thank you, Mrs. Gonzalez. Thank you, Mrs. Abdu, for joining us on another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Unleashing the Future of Work. God Live B2B Jam session. Please, please, please enjoy your lovely Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning. And more importantly, more importantly, as always, peace, love, and abundance. Talk to you all soon.